How we doing, everyone? Welcome into another edition of Final Whistle. Before we jump into all this sports talk, I just want to have us have a quick moment. And it was a year ago today when Kobe Bryant died in that helicopter crash. So I just want to do a quick moment of silence as well as acknowledge the rest of those who were involved in this crash. John Kerry and Alyssa Altabelli. Again, Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Sarah and Peyton Chester. Christina Mauser and Ira Zaboyan. So let's just take a quick moment of silence and remember and just be grateful that we're, that we're in this world right now. So. So I want to thank you for you guys participating in that with me. I know it's a little bit of a cold start, but... We need to be able to address the, this elephant in the room. I want to give you my personal Kobe Bryant memory. It actually happened in the postseason, excuse me, preseason, and they were playing the Warriors. I'm a Warriors fan. I watch almost every Warriors game and highlights, and one of those moments was almost like a passing of the torch. Steph Curry, still very young in his career, uh, did a crossover on Kobe Bryant, hit a three-point step back over him. Kobe Bryant comes down the field, uh, court, excuse me, not the field, and acknowledges Steph. Almost, it felt like a passing of the torch moment. Kobe, later in, late in his career, had been dealing with his injuries. And you could just feel that sense of respect that was going on. There's so many Kobe Bryant memories that you can go back and remember. His 81-point game against Toronto, that just happened this, uh, his anniversary for that just happened this past couple weeks as well as uh, what he did against the Mavericks outscoring them through three quarters by himself and he didn't play that fourth quarter as well as that Western Conference first round came into the playoffs as a lower seed going into Phoenix game one they got that tip on that jump ball he comes down hits the game winner to win by one in overtime there's just endless stories that you could say but for me personally that Steph Curry and Kobe Bryant moment is what you'll always remember. Another moment is that when I was sitting at home with my family watching, my brother's a Kings fan, and we literally single-handedly watched him score in that first quarter alone by himself, pretty much carrying his, willing his team to stay in that game against the Kings. It was literally the Kings against him, offensively speaking, in that first quarter, and even including that first half. He ended up having a a subpar second half, but still, that first half was memorable to me to watch. It was with my family, and I, I remember it vividly. Because my brother just like, how are we guarding him? We have three guys on him. He's still shooting over him. It was absolutely insane. But I just wanted to take a moment there. Remember Kobe Bryant. He will always be in our hearts. He is an icon, not just in the sports world, but in, in the world in general. What he did off the court as well, winning an Oscar in his short films. He His... Uh, merchandise that he did, his clothing line, etc., etc. He was always working and grinding to make himself the best that he can be at whatever he was doing. And all you say is that Mamba mentality. So, Mamba forever, one year anniversary of Kobe Bryant passing away from this world. But let's jump into some what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be recapping in depth the ch NFL championship games where the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be taking the stage in the Super Bowl in less than two weeks now. And it's going to be the first time a team is hosting the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay, the Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay and the Tampa Bay Bucks, And Tom Brady 
got it done, taking down the Green Bay Packers 31-26. to uh, There was some questionable calls that ended up taking place at the end of that game. So let's dive right in. Tom Brady, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Especially in that second half, they went three straight drives with turnovers. But there were some key moments. At the end of the second half, he took a shot to Scotty Miller, scored that touchdown late to go up 21-10. Then he was up 28-17. And then it was Green Bay cut it, and Aaron Rodgers, three touchdowns, one interception. He played extremely well as well. But where is the controversy? Your fourth and goal at the eight-yard line. Matt LaFleur, with just a little over two minutes to go, decides to kick. What are you going to do there? You're taking the ball out of your best player's hands. The NFL MVP, he will be the MVP, Aaron Rodgers. He is a bad man. What are you going to do there? Instead, you go out, you kick the field goal, and hope your defense is going to stop him? Come on. You have Tom Brady on the other side. Arguably the greatest quarterback and one of the greatest athletes ever. You know you're not going to get the ball back. So why even try to kick that field goal? And Aaron Rodgers said it in his post-game press conference. I thought we were going to have four downs. Yes, on third down, he could have potentially ran and maybe gotten to the end zone. But he decided to trust what, what he was best at, which is passing the football. That's what he got gets it done for. It's what he gets paid for. It's why he's considered one of the greatest to ever do it at the position talent-wise and throwing the football. Yeah, they didn't get it done. They ended up kicking it. Matt LaFleur. I'm not going to say it's all his fault because Aaron Rodgers had multiple opportunities in that fourth quarter after Tom Brady continuously turned the ball over to go down. He went three and out, and then they had to punt. So what can you say there? There's definitely accountability on both ends. But still, that fourth down calls and kicking the field goal is going to be the most argued one that's going to be discussed in, for the most of the offseason. And then Aaron Rodgers ended up coming out publicly after that I don't know what my future holds. I know he, you know he's been a little bit pissed off about the whole Jordan Love selection, drafting a replacement while he still thinks he's got two or three more years still in him. This is interesting. Green Bay has a lot to hit for the cap from him, but they can't. And it's a lot of dead cap if they let him go. The only way that Aaron Rodgers could really get out of this situation is by retiring and then saying he will not report to the facility, which will force them to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. So this is a new time league. He's earned his respect. I don't think he will do it. I personally think he will stay in Green Bay. I think it was a little emotional interview this past Sunday. And what can you say? It, it is what it is, to be on, being completely honest. But Tom Brady now, 10 Super Bowl appearances he will be t when he steps on the field. And the only other person in this era to do it, LeBron James with 10 NBA Finals. So I don't think there's much debate anymore. Tom Brady, he didn't need Bill Belichick. He became the Tom Brady was the GM for the Tampa Bay Bucks. He eventually, once they turned turned the corner, it became more Tom Brady's offense. They weren't they were still taking their shots down the field, but they're working their way down the field more methodically, including the running game. The defense has stepped up immensely in these playoffs, especially against New Orleans and against Green Bay, holding Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers relatively in check for, for their standards. 
Devin White, I thought he would be a key. I said that this past Friday, and he was an absolute monster once again. He was flying all over the field. He ended up recovering one of the two turnovers that Green Bay had, the fumble, returning it back to help set up a score for Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay defense has figured it out. But another issue was, again, on a third down call, they called pass interference. Was it pass interference? Absolutely. Should have probably been called? No, because the consistency was that they were letting the wide receivers and defensive backs play. There was a lot of holding, a lot of misholding calls, a lot of miss hand checking, etc. That was not called throughout that game. And yes, was it P.I.? Absolutely. But you weren't making that call all game, and then you end up making the call at the end of the game, taking away that chance that Aaron Rodgers would have, could have potentially gotten the ball. So then Matt LaFleur is not really off off the hook entirely, but partially, because they would have had the chance to go down the field and score a touchdown. But again, you were down eight at the eight-yard line. You needed to score a touchdown anyway, so why would you kick the field goal there? So, in other news, on the other side, it's Kansas City Chiefs once again. Patrick Mahomes, what can you say? Played with a turf toe, recovered from a concussion, did not practice all week, relatively speaking, did not take many physical contact reps. And he, they went out there and they dominated Buffalo in that second half. Down 9-0, no problem. Went right down the field and scored. Continuously went down the field and scored. Winning 38-24. to That team, This team is outstanding offensively. Eric Bieniemy. if he's not the Houston Texans coach, it's just a shame in the NFL that he does not have a job right now because he has done a masterful job. Andy Reid, outstanding job. And you have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Le'Veon Bell didn't even really play. You're going to have him back in the Super Bowl again for Tampa Bay. They didn't have Antonio Brown. He'll be back in the Super Bowl. There is was, was so much going on that needed to be addressed. And the Buffalo zone defense did not work whatsoever. They were getting picked apart by Mahomes. It was honestly unfair. Josh Allen, he played okay. I, I assumed Buffalo was not going to be able to keep up with Kansas City, and that was the case. And the Kansas City defense, and in and, and, uh, all respect, they played solid, holding that high-octane Bills offense to 24 points. But for Buffalo, the, their issue is that they have no balance. They, do not, they cannot run the ball at all. And I think that just played into Kansas City's hands. They would blitz Josh Allen. And they knew he was going to throw it. And you tried to man up on the outside. And you doubled Stephon Diggs throughout. And you, without Diggs, they were really unable to move the ball down the field. Especially in the second half. So what are you going to say? Buffalo had a great year. Don't get me wrong. 13 wins in the regular season. Two postseason wins. They, were, they did everything they could to ensure that they had a chance. But Kansas City's just on another level when it comes to the playoffs. And... This is a crazy stat. Patrick Mahomes is 4-1 when he's down two scores in the playoffs. Only time he's lost, New England Patriots and Tom Brady in the AFC Championship a couple years ago in his first season in that overtime thriller. So what can you say? The kid's special. He, and this game, this Super Bowl outcoming is, is 
almost a passing of a torch scenario. You have the greatest of all time to ever do it, probably going against the most talented that we've ever seen up close and personal. Passing of the torch, maybe? We'll see how it goes. Will Tom Brady stamp his legacy? Just put the cherry on top. Or will Patrick Mahomes be a back-to-back Super Bowl champion? It's unfathomable to actually think about, really. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. Let's So let's jump now into the NBA. Brooklyn, still trying to figure it out in that with that big three scenario. They still have struggled to play defense. I don't know if they even have a clue what defense is, really. Especially when Cleveland beats you twice. I know KD didn't play the second time, but still. They did win the other night. But what what are you going to do here? Now there's trade rumors that you're going to bring in Kevin Love and Jamel McGee? How are you going to do that? You have no trade pieces. You already have three ball-dominant guys. I know Kevin Love can play off the ball, and you need a rim protector with McGee, especially after getting rid of Jared Allen. You have no trade capital whatsoever to get them. Are you giving away Joe Harris? How, how is this going to work? Do you give away Joe Harris? Do you give away Jeff Green just to get McGee? It's going to be really interesting to see how Brooklyn tries to handle this, especially if they're going to continue and try and get Kevin Love or just JaVale McGee. I think they're, it's going to fall down to probably just getting JaVale McGee because they need an interior presence. Again, as I mentioned the other the other day, they cannot stop people, especially when they go small and Kevin Durant goes play, is playing the five. They're, they just can't guard. James Harden... No offense, my man. You're a great player offensively. You don't want to be out there playing defense at all. You're just there, standing. And as soon as you get burnt, you pretty much just flail out an arm to try and reach or foul, and you they go right by you. Kyrie Irving, one of the greatest ball handlers to ever do it. Struggles on the defensive end. Kevin Durant, he is when he plays defense, he's solid. But he can't play the five. He just can't do it. He can't match up to the size of a big man right now at the moment, especially after coming off of that Achilles injury. You don't want to force him into something that he can't do and push himself too hard and have him re-aggravate or potentially hurt himself even more. So what do you, Brooklyn? It's still it's early. I'm not jumping off ship. I think you're still going to make the Eastern Conference Finals without a doubt. But remember. Brooklyn is a very, New York, the New York market is a very tough market. They do not take losing lightly. Like, look at the Knicks. And the Knicks are playing outstanding ball right now, even though they're relatively just around 500. They are a tough market. If you don't, if you're not successful with this big three, or potentially now if you get Kevin Love a big four, what do you, if you're not winning a title within either this year or next year, they're going to be jumping ship quick and asking for everyone to be gone. A full house clean slate. Clean everyone out. That's a wrap. Still early, but Brooklyn needs to figure out how they're going to play defense because if they play like defense they are now in the playoffs, they'll get swept in, in either the first or second round. They'll be out in the first or second round. That's not even a question. In other news, Karis LeVert, he was... Uh, who is a part of the deal, who's now in Indiana, he successfully had 
surgery today on his kidney where it, there was a cancerous uh, moment in there. They removed the cancer. He's supposed to make a full recovery. Prayers up to Karis LeVert. He's going to be nothing short of a sensational player. And I think, as I, I've said this multiple times as well, Indiana is a couple years. If these guys stay together in Indiana, they're going to be a tough out for anyone, especially either this year or next year. They're going to be have a chance to make a run at an Eastern Conference Finals. They have Brogdon, Sabonis, Lavert, Miles Turner. They all if that core stays together, they can be. They're going to be a really scary team, not a doubt in my mind. Let's jump to some other areas. Who is the biggest contender to the Lakers? Is it the Utah Jazz or the LA Clippers? Hard to say. Right now, I would go. They're both on seven plus game winning streaks. Clippers have won seven. Utah's won eight. They both play similar game, shooting threes. Clippers are first in made threes. Jazz are second in made threes. The only difference is the Jazz are consistently playing better defense than the Clippers are. The Clippers have started to turn it around midway through this win streak. That starting to play some solid defense with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, etc. Paul George is having a monster year to start, putting up some career numbers. But right now, I'm leaning towards Utah. I love this Jazz team. Donovan Mitchell during this win streak, averaging roughly 27 a game. Rudy Gobert, a double-double machine. And so he's usually racking up two to three blocks a game. Absolute beast down low. Can he live up to the money? That's my question. And when you, I'm going to tell you right now, when Royce O'Neal is your number five option, and he's knocking down three-pointers at a solid rate, this team is scary. You have Donovan Mitchell on the outside. Mike Conley has started to really blend in with these guys now in the beginning his second season with as a Jazz for coming from Memphis. Bogdanovich is, looks like he never missed a beat from his injury. Joe Ingles coming off the bench. The opportunity is endless for this Utah Jazz squad. They're going to be a really scary team. And if they can somehow get one of those top two seeds and they have to go through Utah at altitude, they're going to be a very difficult out. Remember, they blew a 3-1 lead without Bogdanovich in that last series to Denver. Again, that was pretty much just because Javal Murray went absolutely ballistic in those last four games. But I'm telling you right now, the Utah Jazz are really scary to me. The Clippers, I know, they still they got to figure out how to make a Western Conference semi. A final or even a semifinal at the moment right now they're really struggling to get out of the second round of the playoffs they still haven't made a western conference final i don't know what you're gonna get and i just think utah is young they play hard they play both ends and that's a team that's gonna be a very tough out in the playoffs is when you're gonna be able to play both ends so right now i would take utah behind the lakers as the second best team in the west with the clippers just shortly behind of course this can change it immensely but for Utah to be a very potent team this year, they have to have home court for most of the playoffs. Either as a two seed, or if you can even potentially get that one seed. Let's jump now to UFC 257. Dustin Poirier knocks out Conor McGregor in the second round. Yes, and I was one who was a huge Conor McGregor advocate in these playoffs, uh, it's not playoffs, excuse me. In this outing, I thought he was going to be absolutely dominant. It was going to be 
Just remember, they fight, fought each other six years ago, and McGregor beat him up. Instead, Poirier took out McGregor's legs. He got dead legged. He couldn't move around the ring. And in the middle of that second round, Poirier pummeled him to the TKO. Personally, I didn't see it as a TKO because as soon as McGregor's legs were gone in that middle of the second round, I knew it was roughly over. There was no way McGregor was going to be able to recover. If he somehow made it through that second round, I think it would have probably ended in the third round regardless to Poirier. Remember, Nurmagomedov Khabib is retired at the moment. Will he be retired? Will he come out? Right now, Dustin Poirier is that challenger to have the belt. He came out publicly and said this was a title bout that we just had if Khabib was retired. Will there be a trilogy? McGregor wants to have that third fight. Poirier's already openly said, UFC's got my number. Dan wants to set it up. He'll set it up. Is that how I see it's going to come? No. Honestly, McGregor's got to contemplate potentially retiring. Yeah, I've went there. I think it's it's time to hang it up potentially for him. I say you give it one more fight, and especially if you lose this next fight, you're done. But you really have to contemplate. you got kids at home. There's his, Fighting's becoming second nature to him. Remember, he's only really fought a couple times in the past three to four years in the UFC. And he's beat Cowboy, lost to Khabib, and he now he's lost to Poirier. I think he's had another fight in there. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but still. Where are you going to go from here? I don't think McGregor and Poirier is going to be a trilogy fight. I think it's going to be Poirier, I think, versus Gaethje, and that'll be for the belt if Khabib is going to remain retired. Then McGregor, he's going to have that challenger fight uh, with either Ferguson or someone else. I think that'll be his opportunity. If he wins that, then he'll get the shot at the belt at the end of the year. He shouldn't get a chance to fight for the belt after what happened this past weekend. And again, as I mentioned, he needs to consider hanging it up if the, he doesn't get it done after this next fight. But we'll see. Only time will tell. But again, I want to remember, tell people, remind, just be. A, this is a day to reflect. Remember, remember those who have been gone. Kobe Bryant, an absolute icon in the sports world and in the entire world, is past. I want to thank you all for turning, t tuning in to Final Whistle. Enjoy the rest of your day, everyone. And remember, on Thursday, there's going to be a special interview episode coming out. If you haven't checked out last night's interview episode with Nitin Ramachandra from the NR Sports Show, go check that out. I have John Fanta coming on through uh, doing a Zoom interview. That interview will be posted late Thursday night. So everyone enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy your sports. Have a good night.